Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Jesus, and I'm joined by my friend and yours, Michelle. Hello and welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me today. Yes, we are the Musty Collective, <laughs> creatives on a journey to better storytelling. Thank you for joining us today, even though it's musty in here. Today, we have a special guest on the program. Mm-hmm. I have the lovely privilege of interviewing Matthew Scarpa. He is a talented screenwriter whose TV pilot script has placed high in screenwriting competitions and is going to share some insights into what it's like being a writer and what it takes to promote your own projects. So we can't wait to dive into that interview. So without further ado, let's start the show. Before we interview Matthew, uh, we wanted to actually share two news stories that kind of interested us. Val Kilmer has a new documentary about his life coming out called Val. And who is Val Kilmer for people like me who may know, memorize, may remember the movie, the face, but not the name with the face? Well, he played Batman in Batman Forever. And to some people, that's probably one of the better Batmans. Yes. He was also in Top Gun and a bunch of other films. I believe it's through Prime Video, but it's going to be um, through A24, which their movies are always great. Um, And the logline of the film is, The life you live is the story you tell. Yeah, we watched the trailer for this. Mm -hmm. looks really good. It's essentially Val going through a bunch of old footage that he has taped throughout the years, including mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes footage of his many movie productions that he's been a part of. Yes. And it comes with a sad note of Val developing throat cancer, having surgery to remove it, mm-hmm. and now he has to speak through like like a voice box kind of yeah. you know, uh, device. And it, it kind of tugs at your heartstrings, but it's also like a great nostalgia kind of go-back-in-time, time capsule kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he has, like, home movies of him and Kevin Bacon and Sean Penn just hanging out when they were, like, really young. So it's it's really cool. It's like a more humanized view of celebrities, I guess. Yeah, so if you want to watch that, it's on Prime Video. It's coming out later this year. It's going to be a documentary about Val Kilmer called Val. Okay, my story comes from the land of Star Wars. That's right. We're visiting that galaxy set in a far, far away place. And I just, I love Star Wars still. Still like to check out stories from it. And Lucasfilm is giving us a real treat here. Now, a couple months back, six months back, I forget what it was, timeline. Kathleen Kennedy and the Lucasfilm team gave us a timeline of what is to come down the pipe. And one of those things was called Star Wars Visions, where you take Japanese storytellers and you take the Star Wars property and you put them together. Now, this is a this is honestly like a Star Wars wet dream for a <laughs> lot of fans uh, who have been wanting this kind of treatment ever since things such as the Matrix's Animatrix, which is a, an anthology uh, set of stories, uh, anime driven, and 
based in the, the Matrix world by the Wachowskis. So this is really amazing. Go check out the trailer if you haven't seen it. You get to see the creators. You get to see some of the uh, a little bit of the art. But I don't think you get to see any like full on like footage, like actual like 24 frames per second. But it's coming out later this uh, this fall in September on Disney Plus. So you're not going to want to miss that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So anyways, we have this article from the Vanity Fair um, written by Jordan Hoffman, which is titled in Star Wars Visions, the galaxy far, far away expands into anime. The franchise originally indebted to Japanese filmmaking comes full circle. Check out the new first look reel. And again, check out their, their trailer. It's on the Star Wars channel. It's posted like a bunch of places. I think it has a lot of Star Wars fans freaked out of their mind <laughs> for a good reason. But it's just really great to see Star Wars being told in a different style and a different perspective mm-hmm. really makes it feel fresh. Yeah, and I think because you're obviously the bigger Star Wars fan out of the two of us, but I I like Star Wars. I mean, it's I. Oh. Mm. But I I actually am very interested in seeing this. Like, it, it looks really, really cool. Yeah, it does. And also just getting the different perspectives of the creators and seeing how, how much Star Wars as a storytelling, you know, intellectual property as a franchise over these 40, 45 years has affected not just people in America or, you know, the West, but people on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, those are the two stories. We just want to talk about those briefly with you. Have some time with Michelle and Jesus. And now you get to hear my interview with Matthew Scarpa. So stay tuned after the break. Welcome, our Musty Collective, to another Musty Creative Podcast. We have a wonderful guest with us today, Matthew Scarpa. Matthew is a freelance screenwriter with a penchant for getting his characters into more trouble than they seem prepared for. His current project's pilot script, The Sword and the Sprawl, is a romp through modern times following a Robin Hood-esque teenager who discovers a world of myths and monsters right beneath L.A. And being close to L.A., it's a story close to to my heart and he has placed highly in several large competitions including screencasts writing uh, uh animation and tv pilot competitions welcome to the podcast matthew how are you doing today doing good jesus thank you for you know having me on and i'm really excited to be here honestly yeah no uh, i'm super excited uh we met at the screencraft uh annual conference but like the virtual conference yeah and i jumped into the animation group you're kind of like I felt like you and maybe like one other person kind of like running it, like, hey, do your intro, say how you're doing. So it was really cool to just like to speak to you. you uh, you're very knowledgeable about animation and writing and uh, your your script and your story seemed just really, really cool. The world you're building out. So it was really great to like sit down and have this conversation with you. Well, thanks. I, I really appreciate it. I don't know how knowledgeable I'd be. I'm still, you know baby screenwriter compared to someone like uh, Mo Willems, uh, Tom Warburton, Craig McCracken, but I'd, I like to think that I at least have some experience with it thanks to my education. Yeah, no, most definitely. And let's get into your, your origin story for storytelling. Uh, let us know, how did you get started into the world of storytelling? Uh, so it started when I was in high school. I had a 
a really good English teacher. Uh, his name was Mr. Rourke. Uh, and I was, I am pretty adept at lying. So uh, <laughs> nice. that got me into a lot of trouble. But he decided, no, nah, I'm not going to get you into trouble on this. But you're going to have to, you know, use that for something different. Right. Uh, so use he, your powers for good. Yeah, use the powers for good rather than evil. Right. And uh, he set me on to uh, just storytelling in general. So I'd start writing like little short stories for class assignments for him. And eventually it kind of fell off because, you know, I graduated. Uh, I tried to go into the military. That didn't work out. Very cool. Came out, started working for FedEx, and then uh, eventually saw a ad for Full Sail University after watching kids shows for, you know, eight months. Nice. When I had nothing else to do after work. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and you said you have like the your you had a penchant for lying, right? And and that was what your English teacher kind of got you, um, kind of noticed you and said, "Hey, you know, why don't you use this for storytelling? Why don't you use this for creative writing?" Uh, and before we get to Full State University, like I guess a, a question I have for you is: Is lying important to be a good storyteller, in your opinion? I would say absolutely. Uh, because any any good fiction story or any story that has some element of fiction, even if it's you know supposed to be like a dramatic retelling of like let's say Argo, yeah, uh, you remember Argo with Ben Affleck, great oh, movie, definitely. loved definitely. it. Uh, but the the world isn't going to work out like a movie. You're going to have to lie a little bit just to make sure that it all gets together in a very entertaining manner. And it's it's my personal belief, at least that storytellers are liars that are just lying to the universe so well that the universe eventually <laughs> believes it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I mean, Argo is a great example, too, because it's a story based on an actual, like, real-life story. But yeah. they do manipulate, uh, like, the details just to, like, immerse you into, like, the first act and get you involved in the characters and root for them to survive through this, like, amazing ordeal. So it's not like exactly. a true, like, one-to-one, like, you know, this guy did turn to this woman and said exactly this line at this moment in time, right? So, no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. That's cool. But, yeah, let's let's talk about Full Sail University. I Full Sail University, I've seen tons of ads. I've gotten, like, the website for it. I've clicked the button. I've gotten the phone call. It's like, hey, do you want to come? I almost wanted to join myself. You know, how, you know what, did you, what did you learn there, and, and how was your experience at Full Sail? You're going to hear a lot of people. There's a big camp and a big divide between Full Sail. There are the people who went there and feel like because they didn't get a job right out the gate mm. that Full Sail completely failed them. Yeah. And there are the people, the camp that I'm in, that go there and like, yeah, we're, we're here to get a degree. We're not guaranteed a job. We understand that. Mm-hmm. But we also just want to learn more about the craft. And I am definitely in that camp because I went in knowing absolutely nothing. Like I had written a, a script for a pilot that I call Colossal. Oh, nice. Which... Yeah, it's it's been in the works, but that one's sidebarred for Sword in the Sprawl because, honestly, Sword in the Sprawl is a way better story. Uh, I like the name. Colossal sounds really cool, though. It It's a fun one, but I definitely got to rework it before I get anywhere. But, yeah. yeah, I'd written it on Microsoft Word. You know, I didn't know any of the, the spacing, any mm. of literally anything about screenwriting. I was just going down, and it looked more like a prose story than anything. Yeah, And, you know... 20 months at Full Sail, and I've got a full pilot script, perfectly, you know, formatted, all set to go. I've got the story down to a T. Nice. And not only that, I've got a network of peers who 
honestly, most of them are ready to drop when either of our stories get picked up. And we're just like, all right, cool. Call me. We'll be in the writer's room the next day. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, I kind of. So Full Sail is great. Yeah. It kind of, what you're describing kind of reminds me of um, the book Creativity, Inc. by Ed Catmull um, from Pixar. Yeah. Where he describes the, the idea that there's, like, at least in the beginning of Toy Story, there is, like, a group, the storytelling group, um, you know, with the different directors like Pete Docter, John Lasseter, who's obviously not there anymore, you know, uh, Pete Unkrich, right, where they're, like, talking to each other about the different, you know, the stories they're writing, giving each other tips and suggestions just so they can make the stories better and, you know, not to hurt each other but just give honest feedback or candid feedback as he talks about in the book. So you had, like, that, like, on a daily basis with other peers. And then, like you said, now yeah. if someone's script does get, like, you know, the, the green, green, green lit, then you can jump in and, and be available to help each other out. Absolutely, and that's... It's definitely one of the big ones because, like you said, it's all critique not for the purpose of hurting anyone or bringing anyone down because we all just want to make the best story that we possibly can. So having that network of people who are looking out for your story, which to me is even more important than looking out for each other. Like, they care so much about you that they're looking out for your story, not just you. And that's that's an amazing feeling to have that network of people. Definitely. And I think that's the beauty of like going to university. I know sometimes people are like, should I go to university? Should I not go to university? But to, if you go to university with a strong network, um, with people that are, are driven to help each other uh, and like build each other up, then it's definitely worth it. Because doing it on your own, unless you get in a really good meetup group, um, you know, you won't get that same experience. Exactly. Nice. That's cool. All right, so Full State University is a thumbs up from Matthew. So definitely go check it out. Absolutely, a thumbs up. Everyone check it out. If you if you have any kind of entertainment and bone in your body, at least go on the behind-the-scenes tour because they're going to tell you so much about what you got going yeah. on there. Oh, yeah, and that that was interesting, too, because you, you have mentioned that before. Like, when you went on the behind-the-scenes tour, it was kind of like, like your first time. Like, like uh, you mentioned uh, Big Hero 6. Uh, like It was like, yeah. I got to go to this nerd school. I got to... I haven't been on the behind-the-scenes tour yet, but yeah. So I was on the behind-the-scenes tour. Uh, they do it with, you know, you and one family member come do the tour just because they don't want to have tour groups that are so huge that they lose people because it's, you know, current students running right. the tour groups. Uh, the students are, you know, they've been there for a while, so they know what they're talking about. But, like, we get to the end of the tour, and it's in Full Sail Live, which, in case you didn't know, is also where they shoot... WWE NXT. Oh, wow. So they have students working that. Oh, I yeah. did not know that. The the Yeah, the production crew for that is almost entirely full sale students who are going for like pre-production, live production, all that wow, fun that's, stuff. That's actually really cool. But yeah, it's so cool. And like students will get free tickets just for being on right. campus NXT right. day. But uh yeah, so we go to the full sale live and they're, you know, capping off the tour. And I turned to my mom and straight out of Big Hero 6, I go, Mom, I have to go to this yeah, nerd school. Yeah, And I, I love that movie. I love that reference. Uh, it's one of my favorite Walt Disney Animation movies. So you, you making that reference, like I totally get exactly uh, where you're going from uh, with the character Hero. That's, that's great. Yeah. No, I, I did not get that same experience when I went on my campuses because um, they they're weren't like fully involved in saying creative writing. Or um, or production or film, they always have you know college campuses usually have other schools that they have involved. So yeah, like to have a school that's dedicated to the entertainment industry 
and and just fully showing it off is amazing so it's really great you had that experience yeah and i will say the the faculty and staff there are phenomenal all the faculty have professional experience in the field nice. that they're teaching so i actually had a uh, a teacher who was the showrunner for honey i shrunk the kids oh, the tv show. i remember that tv show the live action right yeah ah i remember that i do remember that and he was phenomenal that's he awesome. was great that's very cool yeah oh man and i think there's a reboot coming so yeah that's very cool look i'm fine with that yeah yeah it's a, it's a great franchise if, if rick moranis is in it i'm there all <laughs> right I, I actually i think he is i think moranis is coming through i think he is going through yes Let's, let's get into Sword and Sprawl. Uh, what is it and you know how do you imagine it being told on, on the screen? So Sword and Sprawl actually started as a, a comic script while I was in my classes because you know we have classes for everything. Comic writing, TV writing, movie writing, ad writing, video game writing, everything for wow. writing for entertainment. Nice. Uh, it started as a comic script that I was like, you know what, I can submit this. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but, you know, at least it'll get me a passing grade for the class. Yeah. And maybe a little bit more because I like showing off a little bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but as it turns out, I had uh, that network that I was telling you about was most of my classmates. Uh, we had 12 people in my class to start with. And I think like eight or nine of them all signed on to work on the comic idea for the sword and the sprawl because they liked oh, wow. it so much so i'm like okay let me see where i can go with this that's cool is it is and this is a quick question is that because there's like a like a cohort mentality of like if you have a cool project people can work on that with you and get credit school credit for it is that how that works or so it's not really that because everyone had to submit things it's mm -hmm. just when it came to it the the professor said hey okay so this month we're gonna pick some stuff to work on and mm -hmm. you guys can pick whatever you want to work on. Just, you know, make sure that you're good with whoever made the idea. Right. And, you know, like nine of my classmates come up and they're like, look, I really like this. Let me work on it with you this month. That's not awesome. even yet, because obviously it's for a grade. You know, it's a class still. Right. But they just decided they like the story. So they're like, let's do it. Yeah. No. OK, that's and that's great validation, too. Like when your own peers are saying, hey, I, I don't just like it. I want to work on it with you. That's that's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so the the whole premise of it, it's evolved into a kids animated TV show now. Nice. And uh, the premise of it is there's a kid named Sid who is a foster home reject. He's been bounced around foster homes for you know most of his life that he can remember, and he's never really fit in with any of them. Mm -hmm. So he runs away from his latest foster home and actually ends up living on the streets for a while, stealing to survive, sort of an Aladdin-style story, oh, but yeah. that's all before the actual script. Right. Uh, he gets found by, hilariously enough, gnomes. Nice. Like, almost like almost like the garden gnomes that you'll see in, like, a 80-year-old lady's front lawn. Right, right. Yeah. And it turns out that they live in a city right beneath L.A. called The Sprawl, mm -hmm. where, you know, you're finding orcs, uh, fish people, goblins, like all kinds of just D&D-style monsters nice. that uh, have been living apart from humans ever since King Arthur died okay. way back in, like, the 1400s. And so Sid, you know, still not fitting in anywhere, decides that, hey, 
I'll I'll live down here. He's the only one of only two humans I should say that's in the sprawl. Nice. And to to pay back the gnomes, he's you know running around the world finding all these mythical artifacts from actual mythology. So like. He's looking for the Holy Grail. He's looking for, you know, Sigurd's sword from Norse mythology, yeah. Thor's hammer. And he's finding them, stealing them, and selling them so he can help repay the gnomes who've, who also run an orphanage. That's why they took him in. Ah, so like to pay them back and to like do right by them. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So uh, and these gnomes, all they do is, is help, you know, orphans. They don't do anything shady. So... That's that's later in the series. Okay. But <laughs> sorry, I'm be, sorry. Because I like it. No, it's all good. Because I like it. And because this is a. I've you know I've been listening to the Musty Creative. I really like the the stuff that's been going oh, on. Thank you. Uh, of course, of course. It's it's a whole bunch of fun. But I will say the one of the gnomes, Helen, who is the one who found Sid and brought him to the sprawl. Mm. Uh, she actually used to be a master thief herself. Okay. She doesn't anymore because you know she's taking care of the kids, but. Right. She's she's gotten into some of her own shenanigans like Sid has. Okay, very cool, very cool. And and, and is Sid I guess like as you said he's he thieved to survive, but is he kinda maybe being tutored by her to become a master thief at the same time or So as as far as Sid knows, she's actually just a gnome who runs the orphanage in the sprawl. Got you. Okay, very uh, cool. Yeah. Later on in the series he's gonna figure it out, but for right now he just you know, nice lady who's taking care of him and all the kids in the sprawl. Nice. Um, okay, I'll ask one more question because I, I know like you're still you know working on pitching this and getting greenlit. So, but uh, what about the tell us? Can you tell us about the villain, the antagonist? Um? Yeah. So the the first season's big villain is a a guy named Gilbert. Okay. Which with a name like that, you wouldn't think he'd be that big <laughs> <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> uh, hilariously enough, we actually came up with him thanks to in that comics class, someone had a typo. Mm. He was originally going to be like a, a short little three foot tall uh, goblin, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, like standard squishy little right. thing. Uh, no, one of my classmates typoed it as Globin. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we decided instead of, because our, our teacher asked, did you mean to do this? And I look at him deadpan and go, Yes. <laughs> there, there's that high school line again. <laughs> that's, that's the answer. If anyone asks you if you meant to do something, by the way, just say yes. Yeah, as yeah, confidently yeah. as you possibly can. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, so we completely didn't mean to do it. We did it anyway. And now mm. he is like a six foot tall goblin slime hybrid. He can like stretch himself out to make himself huge or like yeah. whip his arm out to, to hit people. Nice. And he's like the crime boss of the sprawl. Nice. So everything that goes on, you know, in the city's black market runs through him. Right. So he's got beef with humans too. So having this human thief in his city yeah. is really rubbing him the wrong way. So he's constantly trying to get Sid either killed or captured by uh, the Knights of the Round, who are basically magical border patrol. Oh, the Knights, but I like that. The Knights of the Round. That's that's good. That's 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 a yeah. good that's a good world building and context back to to the Keen Arthur mythology stories, right? So yeah, that's cool. But I, I like I like this villain, and I like that he has some punching power, and that you know he is an antagonist to be feared because he actually has you know he can take care of himself. So that's really cool. That, that sounds that sounds super fun. And um, with Sword and the Sprawl, you know when you do get it pitched and or when you when you get it greenlit, um, I'm assuming you're hoping for like multiple seasons and things like that. Yeah, like I know there's lots of streaming platforms. Is it still good also to get on TV at the same time, um, like live act, live like t live TV? 
So the streaming platforms are obviously the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, live TV and, you know, live cable, all that fun. It's it's still prevalent in the entertainment world today. Yeah. But it's definitely falling off because, you know, people don't have the time to sit down, you know, 8 o'clock at night when they've got chores to do and they've got kids to take care of and all that to, you know, watch an episode of their show. Yeah. But people are going to find time, like on the weekends, where it's just, oh, it's one of those days I don't want to do anything. Let me crash, watch an episode of my favorite show. Right. And then get up and do all my adulting. And while, you know, actual TV is great for that, you can't really schedule someone else's schedule you can't schedule a whole station to work around your lifestyle but streaming you can pick up a half hour tv show and then get back to whatever you're doing or you know do it while you're at work whatever floats your boat yeah no i've and that's that's the beauty of streaming i've been able to like and especially with the pandemic i've been able to schedule time to watch shows with friends like when we're when it's all convenient for us instead of like hey get up at eight o'clock on friday night and watch it so like you know that that's yeah. a that's a great thing. So yeah, I agree. I, I was just kind of still wondering because I I guess every once in a while I'll see live action TV. Like I'll turn on a channel or something and be like, oh, okay, what's on? What's the schedule? Um, but I guess if yeah. it isn't sports, it's not as important. Um, but yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and even sports go on the the streaming networks now, like ESPN Plus or whatever it is True. that Disney has going on. True. So that's a good point. It's it's great for schedules. And just, you know, being able to pick up what you want. Yeah, most definitely. All right, cool. So um, with your pilot script, The Sword and the Sprawl, uh, it has placed highly in competitions. So which competitions and do you have any advice for others who want to succeed in screenwriting competitions? This, this is, you know, for me, you know, because uh, I hope to one <laughs> no day get, get, get this close. <laughs> so The Sword and the Sprawl. Uh, it's placed as a quarterfinalist in three or four competitions. Well, actually, real quick thing, because I didn't even know that there were competitions for writing. How did, how did you yeah. find out about about that? So another full sale. Okay. It's when you go there, the professors give you all these different avenues that you can go through. They're like, look, you can go through these competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually had one professor who ran the florida film fest oh wow okay yeah yeah she she got us all free tickets for uh the film fest for the weekend that we were in her class because it was the classes go by month there Mm. so we were in her class the month the florida film fest was on so she's like okay cool free film tickets for everyone okay cool free movies (laughs) yeah but a lot of them will give you like hey look you've got film fest you've got contests you've got all this Here's a list of them. And then on top of that, uh, I also found out about Coverfly and Film Freeway myself, which are both just huge lists of contests. Uh, They consolidate everything. So like you put your script on those sites and then you just click which contest you want to enter and they throw the entry at it and let you know how well you did and they keep track of everything. So it's super nice. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend both of those, Coverfly and Film Freeway. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So for our listeners, Coverfly, Film Freeway, I'm gonna make. I'm, I have to make an account. I'm definitely gonna make an account and put it, put up my script there. Hey, the good thing is the accounts are totally free. The only thing you pay for is the entrance for the competition. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, let me see. Yeah, we had a quarter finalist in the Screencraft TV pilot competition from this year, the 2021 version. Nice. Uh, Creative Screenwriting's Unique Voices competition for last year. Uh, Hollywood Just for Shorts's uh, film and screenplay competition for this year. And a, or sorry, those were all semi-finalists, not quarter-finalists. I'm getting my list mixed up. 
And then yeah. I had the quarterfinalist for the animation competition for 2019. Woo, man. Yeah, so overall, uh, it's beaten out. Ah, gosh. Because I haven't done the math for the, the TV pilot for this year or the Hollywood Just for Shorts. But the other three, it had beaten out about 15,000 other scripts that were submitted. Damn, just to congrats. get that far. Honestly, that's legit, Thank you. Man. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I was I was really proud of that. Like, even if they didn't, you know, get grand finalist or win the contest or anything, they still made it far. And fifteen thousand scripts is nothing to snub at, you know. Oh no, no, that that's that's legit. That is so awesome, man. Happy for you and your success. Thank you. Um, and then kind of one thing that's been really cool too, like just doing the research and and you you've been great, just feeling, like giving us the information for the research. So you're actually really love that you do that. You have like an online pitch deck. Yeah. Um, did you code that yourself or you just found a site? Like, I thought that was a really brilliant idea. So my online pitch deck is all through Wix, uh, the, the website builder. Very cool. Because cool. I don't know a dang thing about coding. I am... Got you. Okay. Like, as, as far as it goes, I know how to play video games. If I tried to code one, it would end up looking like, God, I don't know, 1980s versions of movies that we see today. <laughs> like it would just it'd be terrible it'd be the worst thing it wouldn't sound right it wouldn't look right uh wix yeah. i built it all you know it took an afternoon to get everything set up there the way i wanted to and then i've just been tweaking as i go because it's not you know set in stone you can change it whenever you want and just hit the publish button right. and it updates the changes right but yeah i just think that's such a smart idea because everyone can click a link and you can easily share that. You don't have to worry about like the PDF version. Do they have uh, the right PowerPoint? Like you know, you know, PPT or PPTX or you know, you don't have to deal yeah. with all of that foolishness. Just if you have a, a decent browser, just click the link and you'll be able to see everything. That's really cool. Yeah, and if anyone wants to see it, it's thesordinthesprawl.com. You have a couple of tips for our listeners? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, always make sure that you're putting your best stuff forward, obviously. Mm -hmm. You don't want to put yeah. something that like you slap together in an hour forward right. because no one's going to like that. And right. obviously, if you got any rewrites, update. Update your yeah. competition, which is something that Film Freeway and Coverfly do for like five bucks a competition. Oh, nice. So I updated 10 competitions with my latest draft 50 bucks. Oh, nice. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. It was super nice. When you're submitting to a competition, always get in. If they have an early bird deadline, hit that or just as early as you possibly can, like the day the competition starts taking submissions because okay. these competitions typically have uh, like, you know, a dozen or so people who are reading through hundreds and hundreds of scripts and... If yeah. if you get in early, they're gonna read it sooner before they get burnt out on these scripts. So like if you have a you know a typo on the first page, never have a typo on the first page. You will get canned. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. if, if you do, yeah. they're more willing to overlook something like that because they're like, okay, look, I, I kind of like where this is going. Let me see how it goes. You know, a typo sucks, but we can tell them to fix that in the notes. 
Right, right, exactly. And okay, so they do give you notes as you move up, but like the the different like uh, like rounds. I'm assuming. So some competitions will give you free notes just as you go. Uh, mm -hmm. Typically, you'll have to pay some extra for notes. The notes are the expensive part of the competition. I will say, because okay. I paid like thirty five bucks for one of the screencraft competitions, and then right. one hundred and thirty for notes. Oh, but okay. it's it's people who know what they're doing with the notes. So like they give you good notes. It's not just, hey, I don't like this script. Do something different. It's like, no, Gilbert doesn't seem to be as threatening as he could be here. Maybe try something like X, Y, Z. Right. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. And it, yeah. that's actually really important. That's like a full education in and of itself. So 130 bucks Absolutely. Is, is, is definitely worth it. Okay. That totally makes sense. Yeah. You know, tell us, you know, why animation you think is like the best medium for the sword and the sprawl. Um, and then why, you know, why you think it's just a great storytelling medium in general. So overall for the sword and the sprawl, uh, I can just imagine the makeup costs of trying to do all the monsters and all the myths and everything in the sprawl alone. And there's right. cities under like every major U.S. city. There's one under Dallas. There's one under Boston. There's oh. one under New York. So having to do the makeup. I love this world building, bro. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, the makeup costs for having actors for that. Oh my god, that would be astronomical. True. And on True. top of that, there's always going to be something that doesn't look right with that. Whereas with animation, yeah. you can chalk it up to, okay, that's the animation style. That's why this looks like this. Yeah. that No, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Very good point. And then, like I said, Gilbert, who can, like, stretch and shape shift and all that, that's going to be a lot of special effects costs, too. So <laughs> I'd rather just animate yeah. that. Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, animation just looks, it just looks better. Yeah. For the type of story you're telling. Um, and it, it allows your imagination to be just more free and anything could happen. Whereas, like, if it's more, if it's more live, live action, it's supposed to be more realistic. I feel like for an audience member, you have to then immerse yourself in a certain, a certain, uh, a certain set of rules. And if like something violates those rules from a physical standpoint, like uh, gravity doesn't work that way, or physics doesn't work that way. Like we know, even if you don't have a physics degree, you kind of know in your mind like something's off. Yeah. The animation when they go woo like that, like you know, uh, then on Adventure Time or something, you're like, oh, that's fine. That's animation. That's, yeah. That's totally okay. And and on top of that, like you said, with the rules, when you get an animated show, you get to mess with the rules as much as you want. You just have to right. follow those rules after you set them. Uh, the first Toy Story, um, human, you know, the toys never want to interact or move when humans uh, can see them. Exactly. But of course, like they establish a rule all throughout, like even to the detriment of themselves, like the toy soldier getting stomped on. But then they say, you know what, for Sid, we're going to make a special case and we're going to freak the, the crap out of this kid. Yeah, so, and they're, they're yeah, still playing yeah. with the rules. It's just they're they're using these rules to their advantage for the characters now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, it, and like, that's, like, to me, the hardest part of, of writing um, something that's complicated, a lot of world building, is keeping up with all those rules while keeping the story fresh and the different situations the protagonist falls into. From a writing standpoint, um, overcome that so that it doesn't feel like in your story that it's boring or we just did this exact same problem. So... For me specifically, and I don't mind giving some examples, because, mm -hmm. again, I, I really like the story. Otherwise, I yeah. wouldn't be writing it. <laughs> right, uh, right. But the, the whole reason it's the sword and the sprawl is the big payday for Sid is Excalibur, the sword and the stone. Mm, so he's, he's looking for that. So that he's like, look, I can sell this. I can retire at the age of 14, and all my family and friends don't have to worry about anything for the rest of their lives. Nice. Uh, 
so what I what I do for that is I set really loose rules. Like Sid can mm. go after any single or you know multiple artifacts that he wants in an episode as long yeah. as he doesn't find Excalibur because the moment he does the series is over. Right. That's a very good point. So good point. The, yeah, the best way to do that is just to set loose rules that can blanket the entire series as opposed to like really tight stringent rules that vary based on the episodes or based on like mm. the minute in the movie. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that in that way the audience doesn't feel cheated. It's like, "Hey, what? What's going on here?" Okay. Very that's awesome. That's awesome. Like as far as writing practices, are you like a daily writer or do you have like a schedule where you like, you know, a couple times a week you say, "Hey, I'm going to write." Like, you know, if you could share with us. Yeah. So I, I try to be a daily writer as much as I possibly can mm-hmm. because a, a writing brain is like any other muscle. You got to use it. Otherwise, it's going to, you know, atrophy and you're not going to get a good story out of it. Just like right. if you don't use your legs, they're going to atrophy. You won't be able to walk anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. So I try to be a daily writer. I'm really bad at it because most of the daily writing stuff that I do ends up getting deleted. Just because I don't like it, <laughs> no, I understand. but I understand. I'm, I'm still working out the muscle. So, yeah, definitely my best play is to be a daily writer. Some people won't always work that way, but you got to find what works for you and work out that writing muscle as much as you can. stories movies shows have been your biggest inspirations so that's that's always a hard one because i try to pull inspiration from as many possible places as i can so that you know it's never stale uh as far as stories go just blanket stories uh i've got a a few but it's definitely rick reardon uh the the kid's author uh he got me into not only just writing at a young age and you know telling stories but also the mythology aspect which is pretty apparent with the sword and the sprawl because of the percy jackson series definitely uh i have a a whole bunch of other ones but movies are always a big pull uh my two favorite would always be spider-man into the spider-verse and your name yeah and I, I need to watch your name. I know, like, I, I, I keep hearing I need to, to watch it. I'm going to watch it, Matthew. Don't be you, mad at you me. You do. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hitting you with the, with the dad. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're fine. Uh, it's definitely something that you want to watch with someone you care about, like your wife. Yeah, uh, definitely. I saw it with my girlfriend before she became my wife. Nice. And to this day, it is... Let's, let's be honest. I'm going to put a little bit of spoiler here for it. No, so spoiler warning cool. to anyone who hasn't watched your name. Skip ahead about like five minutes. Uh, and I, I'm still going to watch it. So Fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's It takes some of the... I, I want to say... They're not the worst, but they're the most overused movie types. So we've got a rom-com mm. with body switching and time travel. Yeah. And it's an anime. And those should not work together at all. Yeah. They, they shouldn't to make a good movie. To this day, it is the only movie that I have actually cried at. Oh, wow. Wow. It is the only movie. And every single time I watch it, I know the ending. I can go through this entire movie by heart. Right. But it gets me 
every single time. It oh. just hurts my soul yeah. in the best way possible. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, so highly recommend that. And then, like I said, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah I uh, love that movie. I know I don't look it because I'm pale as hell. I haven't been outside in like <laughs> eight months because of this pandemic. Mercy. But I, I, I am Hispanic. I am Italian and Hispanic. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So having grown up, you know, I, I did have some superhero representation because it's always been, you know, 30-year-old white guys, Tony Stark, Captain America, yeah. Thor. They all they all look the same, let's be honest. <laughs> but then you got Miles Morales with the Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we finally got the movie with Into the Spider-Verse, and that's yeah. something that really hit me here because, oh, again, Hispanic. I, yeah. It's it's having that representation. Oh, yeah, same, same. And yeah. on top of that, having a phenomenal story for that representation. Right. And, and that's the thing that was so good because uh, I've looked at movies like like superhero movies like Hitch or not Hitch I'm sorry Will Smith's um, superhero movie Hancock Hancock thank you yeah. and I was like oh yes this is gonna be it and it was like ah but Spider-Verse and then, was perfect it was just such yeah. a great story and honestly part of that is because they had Brian Michael Bendis on it who created mm. Miles so he was like no you're not doing my character the wrong right, way right 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 yeah so like that that felt really good too it did it did just from like the, the uncle finding out he was the guy behind the mask and just the final third act and putting on the suit. Yeah. Just everything, um, you know, learning awkwardly from a Spider-Man who is like past his time. It was just an alternate universe. It was it was just so good. I just I love it. It was it was so perfectly intertwined. And if you read the comics, mm. it did such a good job of staying true to the comics without just retelling the comics. Yeah. And that that is really hard to do. And. But it yeah. is. It, it's, it's one of the, that movie is one of the reasons why, and the first Lego movie is one of the reasons why I just love um, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Um, I think they do. Yeah, because they're phenomenal. yeah, they do such great work. Um, and so yeah, I can see that as why that'd be an inspiration. Yeah, and then my last one, uh, gosh, I'd, I'm gonna maybe get some of the younger viewers like, what's that? Yeah. Codename Kids Next Door on Cartoon Network yeah. back from like the late '90s, early 2000s. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember that show. It was phenomenal. It was the purest form of a bunch of kids who didn't want to turn into their parents. They didn't want to grow <laughs> yeah. up. And like it took that and put the imagination of what these the, the real life kids would be thinking like, oh, we got this treehouse. Well, now it's this super secret right. fort that's, you know, 80 miles tall and has secret doors and we can make all this technology out of plywood right. and ketchup right. bottles. Right. And it's it's the inspiration behind that and the imagination that they put into it and you could tell all the love that they put into just every single episode yeah. it's what i want to be able to do for you know the next generation of kids i want them to have something that makes them feel like hey look being a kid is yeah. great i know i'm gonna grow up but i'm gonna enjoy this while yeah I'm and that that is the biggest lesson from like code uh kids codename next door and and also uh i think of recess as well where it's just like enjoy yeah. being a kid because it's super fun and you only get to do it once so that that's awesome yeah that's really cool and let's be honest, kids aren't going to listen to an adult telling them that, but a cartoon telling them that? Now they'll probably yeah, listen. Yeah, and, and that's, the, that's the one thing, though. As a kid, I didn't realize that adults were the ones making these. I was like, you know, yeah. they're just like magical things. You're like, oh, wow, this must have been made right. by other kids. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this kid knows what I'm talking about. Um, no, that's, yeah. that's so true. That's so true. That's, those are great inspirations. Yeah, 
Musky Collective, we got we got Matthew first. So when this blows up and this becomes the next big thing, support and remember, he was here first. So we're, we're supporting Matthew's one of our own. He's a Musky Creative, so we're definitely going to support him. You know what's going to be in the in the credits? The Musty Creative Podcast, Jesus, and all the listeners. It's going to be right there at the end of the credits with the special thanks. Man, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, hey, appreciate appreciate you, man. Thank you. That actually that's that's awesome, man. That's really cool. We can't wait to see Sword and Sprawl on let's say Netflix. We're, we like to talk about Netflix here, but whatever you wherever you want to be, we want you know we, wherever it yeah, ends but up. But me personally, I would want to be on Netflix. But whatever you want it to be, it's all good. Fair enough. <laughs> thanks for having me. Uh, obviously, just you know, keep on keeping on and. If there's anything in the future that you uh, that you need an extra pair of hands for, feel free to give me a call because I'm always happy to uh, repay favors. And this is definitely a big favor that's been a lot of fun today. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matthew. You take care. Have a great day. You too. All right. So that was so much fun. Definitely go and check out Matthew's work. There is a link for, uh, to his website in the show notes. Check it out. Support him. Check him out on Twitter as well. Just tell him, hey, I came here from the Musty Creative Podcast. Wanted to support you. Love your interview with Jesus. On next week's episode, we are going to talk about the movie Quiet Place Part 2. That's right. The John Krasinski family horror film, as I like to call it. And uh, we're just going to have a good time talking about this film, when we were scared, how much we were scared, and what we think is in the future for the story. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be a featured guest on our show, email us at themustycreative at gmail.com and tell us your story. And a big thanks to our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the Musty Creative Podcast possible. If you want to be a supporter of our show financially, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mustycreative and make this show better. And that's all we have time for. Remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And now it's time to shower up. Give them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.